Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The following program contains names, places, and events that have been anonymized or fictionalized for the purposes of protection and safety. The following program is provided for entertainment purposes only, and any commentary from the hosts are strictly conjecture and should not be held as making any definitive statements about the truth or identity of any particular individuals or circumstances. If you or a loved one are involved in an abusive relationship, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 for support. You guys, welcome to another episode of The Dating Detectives and where I cannot take Hannah seriously because she has stuff on her face and it looks like a face mask and she's like, it's pumpkin. And so she's like doing this like facial, like beautifying situation and it's It's a podcast. No one cares what we look like. Also, happy Halloween. (laughs) It's a pumpkin face mask. Tis the season. She did not carve pumpkins this year. She became a pumpkin. I am the little pumpkin. It's like it's exfoliating or something, you know. It looks, it's probably one of those things that'll make your skin like feel so pretty. But also Maybe. sometimes you guys, sometimes you got to do the face masks, not because of what they do, but because of how cool how it is. Like feel. self-care. Like you just exactly. feel kind of cool. It's a girly thing. We're recording this on the Friday before Halloween. So I was like, it's Friday. I need to put a mask on before I put a bunch of fake blood on because my costume involves... <laughs> fake blood. Oh my God. But I can't wait to see those pictures. That's going to be awesome. Happy 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 Halloween, Halloween. everyone. We have a themed episode for you in honor of Halloween. It is ghosting day here at the Dating Detectives. You guys get it? Ghosted? Like a ghosted episode for Halloween? Do you get it? Do you get it? We're very, very clever. So yeah, so we have a ghosted episode today, which by the way, I shared a ghosting episode of my own on the Patreon. So if you're not subscribed to the Patreon, go subscribe. It's $5 a month. You get two bonus episodes a month. But I actually shared my own ghosted episode where I was with this guy for like over a year and I got ghosted like a hundred percent, just flat out ghosted. It was wild. So go subscribe to hear that. Breaking story and you're amazing. And Thank so you. strong. It and it broke my heart. But like, it's fine now. Like, th- praise <sighs> the lamb because that guy was an idiot. Like, oh, man. Yeah, you, you dodged look a back and you're like, dodged a bullet. Anyways, do you want to share with us about our guest today, Hannah? I do because we've all had some experience with ghosting. And we wanted to talk to somebody who could not only relate to us, but also give us some insight. So we have a guest named Amanda Beck, who is a licensed clinical mental health counselor. She's just, she is such an incredible therapist. And she actually has her own ghosting story that she shared. And then we went through some ghosting stories from listeners to get her perspective. So the whole episode is just so insightful. And we we really dive into why people ghost why it's so hard to get over being ghosted because it hits different. It's like, it's awful and all of that stuff. And I think you guys are going to love her. With that being said, I do have a little disclaimer to read you all. So 
So she's licensed in the states of North and South Carolina. And while she is a therapist, we do want to say it's important to note this is not therapy and nothing shared today should be construed as a substitute for working with a qualified provider. So please check out our show notes for more on how to find a qualified therapist in your area and other resources for supporting your mental health. Thank you so much. That said, talking to Amanda was cathartic at the very least. She has her own ghosting story, which she shared with us, and then was also able to answer all of our questions about why the, excuse my French, why the fuck people do this. Yeah, I'm so, it was interesting to hear what she had to say, and we can't wait to share it with you guys. So do you want to get into it? Let's hear her story. Hi. All right. So we are ready for your story, Amanda. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us all, tell us all the things. Yeah. Boo. Scare us with this boo surprise ghost, whatever, goblin, zombie, Halloween. (laughs) So this story actually goes way back. So right when I graduated from college, I moved to this very small town in rural Texas as part of a teacher corps. So I was, I was teaching middle school at the time. And there were a whole bunch of teachers that went with this program. Um, and when I say small town, like I grew up in rural North Carolina. I thought I understood small towns. This place was so tiny. When I went to go sign the lease paperwork for my apartment, the sort of manager apartment lady, we, we asked her, like, where do people go? Where do people hang out? And she was like, well, what do you mean? We're like, well, if you go on a date in this town, like, where do people go? She said, well, if he kind of likes you, he'll take you to Pizza Hut. And if he really likes you, he'll take you to Denny's. And I, oh boy. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Listen, I'm all about a Waffle House, okay? <laughs> I love a Denny's, but yeah, that doesn't feel like the first date vibe, but go <laughs> off. Well, so I laughed because I thought she was kidding. And she was straight faced. And I was like, oh, we're no we're not we're not joking. So teeny, <laughs> teeny tiny town. So that meant there weren't a lot of places to rent. Most of us ended up kind of in the same apartment complex. Well, the same thing actually happened to be true for law enforcement. So there was a, a statewide law enforcement agency that they had to bring in a lot of officers from other places to cover this county. So it's like they they were new, they graduated. And they got placed here first. And then as they sort of moved up the ranks, then they got to go to the places they really wanted. So it's like, yeah, you're all doing this residency of sorts. That's a lovely way to put it. So it's a whole bunch of (laughs) young teachers and young law enforcement officers. And it was really fun because it ended up kind of being like the family that you make along the way. Not a lot to do. So we're making our own fun in this place. And what that ended up being was pretty much like weekend barbecues. Everyone would roll out of their apartments. They would light up the grills. We would all hang out. It was super fun. So that is how I met John, was that he was a law enforcement officer who lived with three other law enforcement officers in the apartment that was like right behind mine and my roommates. And we started off as friends, hanging out. But you know, when someone starts to like, all of a sudden they're like making more eye contact They find like reasons to kind of like catch you by yourself. Like I just started to notice I was getting maybe more attention than other people from him. Was he like, Um, hey, we should um like go to Denny's maybe. It was (laughs) 
I do. <laughs> you want to go to the Waffle House? <laughs> so I had gotten out of, like, I dated the same guy all through college, and I had just ended that relationship. So I was pretty lukewarm. Like, I was kind of having fun. So all these guys, they're from Texas. And I don't know if you know anything about Texas, but Texas is like its own country. In Texas, yeah, yeah. So they're so proud of being from Texas, and they want to tell us all about all of the Texas things. It's bigger, in Texas. Yeah, it is. I'm from North Carolina. My my roommate's <laughs> from Georgia, and so we're like, sure, tell us all about the Texas things. <laughs> um, so they were like, well, have you ever been two stepping? Like, no, absolutely not. I have not. Um, they were like, you've got to go. I was like, I'm, I am not. No. And they said, well, there's this great bar a couple towns over that everybody like goes in two steps. They tell me where it is. And I'm like, I've seen that place. I've driven by it during daylight hours. I was like, I thought it was closed. Like I thought it was like shuttered. (laughs) You're like, that's a shack. (laughs) Yes. It looked like a shack in the desert. I said, I am not going to that place by myself. That does not seem safe. And they're like, we'll go with you. It'll be great. We'll make sure you're safe. Everything will be fine. So the (sighs) night comes that we've all planned to do this as a big group. My roommate and I show up. And all of a sudden, a couple of the guys start like kind of bugging out of the plans of like, oh, well, I've got a shift tomorrow. Or I'm like, "Mm, what's happening here? All of a sudden, the only two folks left are John and one of his roommates and me and my roommate. And I was like, oh, Mm. this is a setup. (laughs) They did this. 100%. Yeah. But I knew the other guy liked my roommate and I knew my roommate liked the other guy. So I was like, that's cool. I'll go be her wing woman. We'll have a good time. John and I will just chill as friends. It'll be great. So we go to this bar and it is packed. Like... I, it was, I've never seen so many people in such a small space, but it's like true cowboy bar, like the mechanical bull and the music's going and people are out on the dance floor. It was like full, oh my God. Te- full Texas I like experience. I want to go. <laughs> I know. I felt like I was in a Dixie Chicks music video. That's so fun. Um, so the guys go and get us drinks. We find a little table in the corner where we can kind of watch what's going on the dance floor. We get a couple drinks in. It's super fun. And John looks at me and he's like, okay, are you ready to give it a try? I'm like, sure. But seriously, I have no idea what I'm doing. So we get out of the dance floor. Still no. Still no. Yeah. He's like, it's easy. You'll pick it up. I'll tell you what to do. So we get out on the dance floor and he was a great dancer. But, you know, it's, we are like smished up together in this dance floor for him to be able to show me how to do this. And so he sort of guides me around. I'm kind of following his lead, but it was like a fast way to get very close. <laughs> and I was like, no oh, kidding. you knew what this was, you knew this was going to happen. Um, so we have the best night, super fun. We're out on the dance floor the whole night. Um, the bar starts to close down. We head home. John was DDing, so he made sure everyone got home safely. Um, we we pull up to the house, and the other two sort of get gone. And I'm like, okay, like, good. Maybe they have finally decided to like be honest with each other about this. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm walking up to my door, and I have that moment, and I think every woman knows what this is. But you're walking up to the door, and you're realizing you're about to have a conversation with a guy of like, I don't want to make out with you yet. <laughs> 
And so I'm walking up to the door and I'm kind of anticipating this conversation. And I have I have a dog. So he's like, well, walk the dog while I'm out here because it's super late. I want to make sure you're okay. So I grab the dog. I take her for a walk. I bring her back. And then we've got this moment at the door. And I'm sort of bracing myself to have this conversation with him about like, yeah, I'm about to rain on your parade, buddy. Awkward. It, it always is, right? They'll be fine. Well, so he kisses me on the forehead and says, I had such a fun time. Good night. And like, make sure I get to the door safely and goes. And I was like, cool. He read the room. This is great. It was his audience. Respectful. All right. <laughs> well, I thought it was super respectful. And I thought it was really kind of intuitive of like, I mean, we're friends. We're in this big group of friends. Like if we're even really going to consider making it anything more, we need to do it carefully and sort of softly. I hate this. You're making me like John. <laughs> I really like John. I know, right? Yeah. It, it was nice. it was all green flags. So the rest of the week, so those week starts, we all go back to work, all those good things. Thursday night rolls around, the barbecues come out, we're all sort of gathering around. And it's a little awkward, right? Because like that now there's like a thing. And I'm like, okay, well how do we act in front of everybody else? And he was just really smooth about it. Like it was like a little hand on the back, a little like like side conversation, but very chill, very respectful. I went back to grab something out of the kitchen and he sort of caught me by myself and like said again, like how much fun he had. And he was just really, really lovely. What a gentleman. Yeah, just wonderful. No complaints. <laughs> So he gets me by myself and says, hey, I have to work this weekend, but next weekend, can I take you to dinner? He's like, I want to go to the bigger town over where there's like actual restaurants, not the Denny's. I was like, that sounds wonderful. I said, I actually need to go into that town anyway. So I'll probably spend the day there and then I can just meet you and evening we'll have dinner. It'll, that sounds really fun. So Time goes on. Everything is super normal. The Saturday rolls around and I head to I head to the big city from my little town, run all my errands. And so when I get into town, I call him and just to let him know that I'm like around and to let me know what the plans are. It goes to voicemail. I leave him a voicemail. Totally normal. I do my shopping. I go to the Target. I go to the mall, all those things. Some time has passed and I call him again. I'm like, hey, like, I've still got a few more things to do, but I'm kind of wrapping up. Like, what's the plan? On the voicemail, still no response. Like, okay, I'm starting to get worried because- He better be in the hospital. Like, sorry, well, I don't want wish that on anyone, but it's like when that's happening, you're like, you better have an excuse. I hope they are. Yeah. Like, is it me? I hope he's dying. Well, so he, here's how delightfully clueless I was, is that- the idea that oh, he was ghosting no. me never crossed my mind. But I'm, so I'm genuinely worried about him, right? So he does a really dangerous yeah. job. We had had other friends in law enforcement who had been in really scary situations. And I'm yes. genuinely concerned of like, did something happen to him? Is he okay? So uh, I find a couple more things to do in town. And then it's like five o'clock. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm hungry. So we're, we got to make something happen. So I give him one more call and I'm like, get goes to voicemail. I leave him a message. I'm like, Hey, like, I'm really worried. Are like, are you okay? What's going on? So 
hang out a little bit longer, no callback. I'm like, well, I guess I'm headed back home. I mean, I can't just hang out in this town forever. So I drive back, pull into my parking spot. And instead of going into my house, I go across the street and I knock on their door. Yeah. And so his three roommates answer the door. And I'm like, guys, like, where is John? Is he okay? We were supposed to meet up. I called him. I've left messages. I haven't got any response. Like, I'm really worried. And they all just start looking at each other. And I'm like, okay, clearly there's something you know that you don't want to tell me, but I need someone to spill it because something's going on. So they're all kind of like elbowing each other. Like, you do it. No, you do it. And so one of them looks at me and says, Amanda, he moved two days ago. He's been reassigned to move. Mm -hmm. He's been reassigned to another county. He is gone. So I was like, what are you talking about? So they open the door and they let me in and they walk upstairs and they show me his bedroom and it is cleared out. I mean, it looks like he never existed. There is not a piece of paper. There is not a speck of dust. Like he is gone. So I'm looking at them and they're like, we are so sorry. We had no idea. Did they know? Did he, did did he just uh, like all willy nilly just gone? So they said there that he had told them he was leaving just like a couple days before he actually moved his thing. So they didn't have a lot of notice either, but they sort of thought it was because of the reassignment. I guess it it happens sort of quickly sometimes. So he he is gone, but he moved all of his stuff out and That's weird. Right. Well, buckle up, it gets weirder. <laughs> So, oh boy. So they felt terrible. They felt so bad. And I was like, I mean, you're all friends. We're all friends. Yeah. We're all friends. I bet they felt bad for you too. I think they did. And, and in some ways, I think that almost made it worse because I felt like an idiot, like that this was happening in front of people that we knew and cared about. I'm like, this is really embarrassing that now everybody knows. So I kept thinking, he's going to reach back out. Like, there's not going to be a good excuse for this, but he's going to, like, call Call. or show back up or something. So a week goes by, two weeks go by, three weeks go by. And I think around three weeks, I was like, no, I think he's really just going to disappear into the ether. About a month later, we're at another barbecue, and there's some folks there that I don't know, which was not unusual, that, like, Whoever was on duty would kind of swing by and grab food. But there's this other guy that I'd not met before. And so, you know, people are sort of talking in groups. And all of a sudden, this other guy says John's name. And I had not heard anything about him since he left. And I I probably almost broke my neck. I, like, flipped around so fast, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm, like, eavesdropping on this conversation. And this dude is, like, talking, like, all the stuff about John. And how John had an affair with this guy's wife. (gasps) She also worked for the state law enforcement agency that John worked for. And this, they had a six month old baby. So like little (gasps) squishy, tiny baby. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. I know. So this guy is like heartbroken, but also really mad. Yeah. Are you like... Hold my beer. I can join this fight. <laughs> well, I mean, 
I listened to him and was thinking like, I don't have a dog in this fight compared to this dude. Like he has a tiny kid with this woman who's cheated on him. Like, I feel like I can't say anything. Mm, Um, That's awful. Well, so he's, I I think he was pretty intoxicated because he was telling everyone his business very loudly. But he goes on to say how upset he was when he found out. And so he called John's girlfriend to let her know. Wait. And I was like, sorry. What? (laughs) Yeah. So John's girlfriend. uh So apparently he had a girlfriend back home and he was having an affair with this guy's wife. So maybe he didn't intentionally ghost you. He just forgot about you because he had too many things going on. He had a lot going on. He was a very busy guy. Yeah. So I found out that he was having relationships with two other women because this guy had a little too much to drink and spilled the beans at this barbecue. I asked the guys, I was like, did you know he had a girlfriend? And they had that same look in their eyes of like, no, we had no idea. So they knew that he had had a girlfriend back home in the past, but he had told them they had broken up. Okay. So. He lied to everyone? To everybody. Dogfish. And dogfish. when he left, he never communicated back with his roommates either. They all still worked for the same law enforcement agency. They had all been friends. He stopped Oof. communicating <laughs> with them too. He's a magician. He mm-hmm. just went. <laughs> He's a magician. <laughs> Disappearing act. What? Yeah. He just straight disappeared from everything. So I taught two years with this teacher for, and afterwards I moved back to North Carolina. I spent a couple more years on staff with the company, and then I decided to go back to grad school to be a counselor. So now I've been a therapist for a little over 12 years, and knowing what I know now, it gives me such a different insight into what happened to me there, and then also what that looks like for other people too, because at this point in my career, I've worked with thousands of clients who have experienced all kinds of betrayal in relationships. So. I think it's important to talk about, I think Mackenzie said it, like we were not in a serious committed relationship. We were in early, early days kind of talking. Like truly this guy owed me very little, but I was so undone by how he disappeared. It was so, my upset over how this all happened was way greater than the meaning of the relationship. And it took me a really long time to figure out why. Um, Yeah, I want to talk about that because I think that's so real where ghosting hits us harder than like breakups sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just remember being so upset about this. And I think there are, now looking back at it, I think there are a couple of reasons why. So the first is that it felt like he was going to walk back in the door at any time and we were going to like have some sort of explanation. So I think in some ways that delayed what I consider like the real end of like, okay, this door is closed. Cause I kept waiting closure. for him to turn back Waiting up. for the closure. Mm-hmm. And some sort of explanation, even if it was a garbage one. And so for weeks I was just like kind of holding my breath for the phone to ring or, and then once I had kind of come to terms with like, okay, I don't think that's happening. Um, it was so hard to make sense of. Like there are so many questions. I mean, you all have so many questions, right? Like I had the exact same Imagine questions you. in the moment of this guy seemed so 
caring and attentive. He seemed to operate in the world with so much integrity, like the way he did his work, the way like his loyalty, all of that was so incongruent with what I learned afterwards. And it makes you doubt yourself of like, how in the world could I have gotten it so wrong that this is who he really was? And like the trust breaking after that, I literally just wrote down trust issues because now it's like, okay, next time I meet a gentleman, I'm going to be like, you're just going to leave me any minute. Yeah, it's like you're, he's doing you automatically right. are going to go to assume the worst. He Absolutely. made all men look bad, which is not fair to all those men who are nice. Yeah. Well, and trust in myself of like, I think of myself as someone who has pretty good intuition. So how did I miss this? How did I get it so wrong? How often do we talk about that on this podcast, Hannah, where you think you're, you, you can't trust yourself anymore. And that is so awful that we are led to feel that way. It's terrible. And I don't think it's exclusively women, but it does happen a lot with the fem tuition thing where we turn things internal because we just have yeah. it in our nature to be like, what could I have done differently? Am I responsible? Mm-hmm. When oftentimes we're obviously not. Yeah. And I, I think that touches to something else that was so hard was because questioning my own self-worth. Was there something I did or didn't do? Or what does this say about me that this happened to me? And now mm-hmm. way down the road, I know that it was never about me. This could have happened to anybody. But in my 20s, I didn't know that. And so wondering like, and and that combined with like everybody knew, right? <laughs> like Ugh, everyone else had watched this. It's public. It's so re- embarrassing. Public rejection with no explanation. It's like mm-hmm. this big yes. double yes. way. It's one thing to have a big breakup that's private where you're like, look, it didn't work because X, Y, Z, we, we know why. Mm-hmm. This is just like no answers at all. None. Zero. Zero. So I really had to find that closure within myself because nothing externally was going to give it to me. And so it really was kind of, it was less about grieving him and more about grieving sort of these other things that I thought were true at the time and found out like, oh, like, yeah, this kind of stuff can happen and it can happen to anybody. And you're just sort of left holding the bag. Mackenzie and I are both sad. (laughs) For me, it's more annoying than anything. It's very like... Because a lot of things can be resolved when we understand why. Mm -hmm. When we understand why something happened, it really helps to clear us of um, any confusion in our head. So when we don't know why, Mm -hmm. and if you're an overthinker like me, it's even worse because then you're just going through a million scenarios about like, what did I do? What's Mm -hmm. wrong with me? And it's all about like you and what you did wrong, but it's usually not you, but you don't know that. No. And I I think we... Also like to know why, because we tell ourselves a story that if we know why, we can prevent it from happening again. I think to some extent that's true. We certainly learn from our mistakes. I also think it's important to know none of us, not even me, with all my training as a therapist, can 100% prevent this from happening again. We don't have control. We don't have control. All we can do is make the best decisions with the information we have at the time, which is never Mm -hmm. as much information as we really want, and and move on from there. And so I think it's important to kind of 
discern, like be honest with ourselves about what questions are answerable, what ones are never going to be answerable, but it's okay. We can still move forward with that. Can I ask you a, like a question from therapy brain about sure. a personal thing? So I've been ghosted. And one time I ran into a person who I like went out of date with and then they ghosted me. We didn't like hook up or anything, but I would have made it so awkward for them. <laughs> okay. So that's what I was going to, so I chose to be like, I just mm-hmm. ducked my head and was like, I'm not going to say anything, whatever. Oh, not me. Oh, I know man. you would have gone in. I just was like, I don't want to talk to them. Like, I just have no interest. And I wasn't super <laughs> like, the, my, I felt weird. I hadn't been super into them either, which it, I think it's interesting that like, it was one of those feelings where I felt like I would have been less annoyed. Like I didn't want to date them. And yet because they ghosted me, it felt, I was like butthurt about it. Cause I'm like, excuse me, like mm-hmm. at least give me the mm-hmm. respect of t- like saying yeah. you don't want to go out again, whatever. But I didn't do anything. Do you have any like advice for deal? Like this, what do you do if you run into the person who ghosted you? Do you say something? Do you you cuss them out do up you and down and embarrass the shit out of them? Do you? <laughs> what is your professional? I would opinion? ask the person they're with. I'd be like, "Oh my gosh, I hope he doesn't ghost you too." But as we learned in last week's episode, you do not spit on them because that is an assault charge. So, that is an assault yeah, charge. Don't, <laughs> you will go into this. <laughs> choose choose oh wisely God. out there. You get it. So I had a huge fear that I was going to run into him someplace. And I'm actually surprised that I didn't. Yeah, what would you do? What I would have done then might have been different than what I would do now. So I would, it's hard to do this in the moment because you don't know you're going to run into them. But if I'm making that decision, I'm asking myself, what do I hope to get out of the interaction with them? And what is the likelihood that need is actually going to be met? Um, so do I want closure? Do I want them to apologize? Do I want them to see me like looking wonderful and feel bad that they missed out on this? And what's the (laughs) likelihood that I'm actually going to get that? Because really at that point, you've probably already given that person more energy than they deserve. Do you really want to give them more? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but see, okay, okay. I I hear what you're saying as a professional and you're a professional and I'm clearly not, but I am like, (laughs) I am a woman scorned, right? Mackenzie. Sometimes you have these like emotions in your head and it's like, as soon as you get them out, then you're done, then I'm fine. But like, sometimes you have to satisfy, you have to satiate that hunger to just like say the mean thing and be like, hmm, and then go now, now I got my closure. Now you can sit with me. It's not about them and it's about you. Mackenzie, have you had an opportunity to actually act that out like in real life? Yeah. Did it feel as good as you anticipated it would? Yeah. And then, well, and then it's over and then, and then you go home and you're like, dang. And then you think of all these really smart comments that you could have said that you didn't. Well, okay. So that is different than what most people tell me. So I have clients that have confronted people and have had that opportunity to like say the thing or tell the person off and never, ever, ever had a client come back and say it was as satisfying as they thought it would be. Usually what happens is they do it 
And then either there's consequences that come out of it, right? Because like they spit on someone and there's an assault charge. (laughs) They go to jail. Right. You you uncork all that anger and all of a sudden you're acting and saying in ways that you're like, oh, this has consequences. Or maybe they say exactly the thing that they've been meaning to say and they don't get the response that they were hoping for. And it still doesn't feel like closure. And so oftentimes, though, that's what I share with clients is like, even if you get the chance to do that, it might not feel the way you want it to feel on the other side. That closure really comes from inside of you, regardless of if you have a chance to interact with that person again. That's true. That's a really good point. And to your point, Mackenzie, like there have been times where I've written like the letter, but not Mm -hmm. sent it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I get that satisfaction that's, from that. That's good stuff too. Like, you know, I you say it all for me for personally. Once I say it and get it out of me, it's no longer living inside of me. It's no longer haunting me. Like it's done, then it's out. Not every time does it feel as good as I want it to, but it does like, it does give me the opportunity to get it out, whatever I was saying. And so that is satisfying. Is that this like thing? At least you feel her. I said it. That part is satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. So you want your experience to be validated and that's what's healing for you. There are ways Mm -hmm. you can experience that, that guarantee that, right? You can talk to your therapist. Mm -hmm. You can talk to a trusted friend. You can write the letter. You can validate it yourself. Those are all ways to, to have that same process but with people who deserve to hold that story and that you know you will experience as supportive as opposed to risking Mm -hmm. it on this person that's already burned you once and you're opening the door to let them be a jerk to you again. Well, speaking of being able to talk to the person again, we have an email from a listener about this was someone who actually got to talk to that person. So y'all wanted a ghosting story for Halloween, right? That's how the email starts. Yes, yes. We wanted ghosting stories. Here's a doozy, LMAO. That stands for laughing my ass off, which I love this already because this is exactly how I would start a letter. (laughs) There's a website called FetLife. Oh, I know what FetLife is. Okay. There's a website called FetLife. I'll let y'all Google that. Anyone Uh, of age can create. You've heard of it too, right? I'm I'm now like, yes, I know what that is as well. (laughs) Anyone of age can create a profile on their listing their fetishes, what they're into, yada, yada. And you can message and communicate with folks. Even look for people near you. Boy, if that ain't open a whole can of worms when you start re- when you start recognizing folks on there. Ah! I live in a small town that's two hours from a big city. So me and my BFF both have profiles on FetLife. And I get a message from a guy. I'll call him Michael. He lives just over an hour away. We start talking and things are going great. He says he's in security. He has two kids, but his ex-girlfriend is really unstable, that he lives with his grandma to take care of her. And apparently the girlfriend is always there. It's weird. He works nights, so we can't talk all day. But about two weeks after he first messaged me, he drove down to see me. He was kind of nerdy, kind of shy, but really hot, you know, really sweet. So we hung out for several hours, hooked up. Yeah, I know, but it was great. Things were fine after that. We talked every day when we could. He came back to see me about a month later. And again, things are great. It's been about three months and things are amazing. You know, we're talking about our future and all the things, right? So one night in February, he invites me to drive to the big city about two hours from me where he works and go to work with him. He basically sits in his truck all night at a big apartment complex, making sure nothing bad happens. So we can sit together all night. It was great. We had a lot of fun and made plans for him to come to my house in two weeks. 
So the next morning I go home, I'm on cloud nine and what have you. And when I try to text him that night after I know he should be at work, I don't get a reply. So I'm worried and even ask my bestie because she's talking to his BFF. We'll call him Chad. Well, Chad doesn't know where Michael is and can't reach him. Nobody knows where he is. He just vanishes. He stops responding on every social media thing he has. And I'm just devastated, right? Completely ghosted, wondering WTF I did wrong. So my bestie knows I'm just crushed and takes it upon herself to give my number to a guy she knows close to her neighborhood. I'm like, okay, whatever. I go on a blind date with this guy who I end up marrying. He's amazing and you couldn't pay me to give him up. But here's the twist. So almost a year after Michael disappears, my bestie texts me and says, you'll never guess who just messaged me. Yep, it was Michael. He's asking about me. She tells him I'm happily married and all the things. He's like, oh, okay, but I gotta know. I'm too damn nosy and I have to know why. So she tells him I still have the same number and he texts me like, I'm so sorry, yada, yada. Here's the story I got. The morning after I left him and went home, he goes home intending on telling his ex to get out. He's met someone and he plans on marrying her. So she actually lived with him the whole time. Supposedly, she went psycho and called the cops saying he was being violent and threatening and had him committed. How she could do that, I have no idea. Oh, and he said she broke into his phone too and that he's been in a psych ward and the hospital all this time. All apologies. Son, I was born in the morning, but it wasn't this morning. Block. <laughs> ah! Wow. You guys. Okay. So first of all, I won't make you Google FetLife. Like FetLife is like a fetish like website. It's like dating for like fetishes. It's kinky, like a date, like yeah, dating, a dating site where you just make sure people it know what ca- you're kind into. of also like there's forums. There's like, it's a hookup site. Like I've had to listen. I had to do a surveillance. I guess I'll have to tell this story. Uh, but I had to do a surveillance and I had to get on FetLife. <laughs> I want that yeah. story so bad. <laughs> Everybody does. I imagine. So anyways, So this girl like meets this guy on here and it turns out he lives with the girl the whole time. And you guys know how when a guy says like, oh, my ex is really crazy. Either he is still with her or like he is just he has no excuses and that's all he can say is, oh, my ex is crazy. Don't listen to her. He's gaslighting. Mm, I think my red flag was that he's living with grandma so he can take care of grandma. I I feel like maybe somewhere out there that's there's somebody that says that and that's actually true. But I feel like more often that is I'm living with grandma because I can't pay my own bills. Not I'm actually taking care of grandma. Or some kind of excuse, especially especially if you met on a fetish app. That's a great excuse to have someone not come see where you live because grandma's there. And if what you're trying to do together are things that grandma might not want to hear through the wall then he gets to now never tell you his living situation. Yeah. Oh, man. Which very well was maybe not with grandma and with his girlfriend. Hannah, (laughs) you'd be so good at ghosting people. You've got it down. No! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Hannah is teaching everybody how to ghost. So... Mackenzie, we were talking about sort of unsatisfying answers. And this sounds like for this person that really held true is she gets this story. That to me sounds kind of wild. Like that would be a really long time to be in a residential program. Yeah, super long time. And and there are residential 
residential programs that are that long, but that, that would be unusual and it would be unusual to be there involuntarily that long. And so even though she got some answer, it sounds like she doesn't really trust it. And so it still feels like no. deeply unsatisfying. Like she still has a ton more questions, I'm sure, about what actually happened that are just still never going to have answers. We haven't talked about like why people ghost. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. why? what's going on in their brain, especially. Yeah. So your guy, John, and like what's even somebody who goes on one date and then just doesn't text to say, hey, I just don't think there's something here. You know, there's a, that happens so frequently. These stories are obviously so extreme, but we evolve. Most of us, everyone knows at least one person who's gone on a date and then never heard from them again. And it's like, why yes. don't people just say, I'm not into you. Yeah. Yeah. Why are they so scared? That's a great question. So I think there's three main reasons. But before we get into that, I think it's important to talk about the one situation where it is totally okay to ghost. If you are afraid for your safety, the safety of your children, the safety of your pets, if you have an honest conversation with someone about ending a relationship, then by all means, get out however you can in the cover of darkness. Do not look back. You do not owe that person anything. Nothing. You, yes. At all. You are, if you are afraid for your Casper, safety, go. Full stop. Other than that, the rest of us, that it's not about safety, but it's about discomfort. Those relationship ending conversations, they're not fun. They're not comfy. No one loves them. They're important, but they're not a good time. So I see sort of three buckets of things that cause people to ghost. So the first is that sometimes people just don't have the communication skills to share that they want to end the relationship and why. Like they literally just have a hard time putting words to it. Well, it's awful. It's not fun, right? It it It's difficult. And I think sometimes, you know, sometimes you don't know exactly why you don't want to be with someone anymore. You just have it in your gut of like, this has run its course. And so I think sometimes people feel like, well, I I have to provide a rationale. It's like, if you don't have a rationale, you don't have a rationale. It's okay to just say, I've really appreciated our time together, but I I think it's run its course. I think it's time to call it. For our listeners really quickly, maybe I'll post these on stories. I have templates that I have used with my friends to help us put together messages to tell people we're not interested in a second date. I have also used ChatGPT. That is a real thing. I have plugged it in and it's given me some weirdly good ideas, which is hilarious. Yeah. ChatGPT will help you break up with somebody. Isn't that crazy? And it's pretty good. Like it's pretty good. I did it as a joke. I was like, let's see what would happen. I was like, ChatGPT, write a text to tell someone I'm like not X, Y, Z. And they like wrote something nice, minus a few emojis. I was like, this is actually kind of on point. Yeah. So the second bucket of people are people that have a hard time tolerating the distress that comes from saying these things to somebody. You know, you're hurting someone else's feelings. Sometimes you might get the reaction from them, right? Like they start to cry or they have questions you don't have answers to. Most people don't like to hurt other people, and it's hard to bear witness to someone else's sadness or grief over something. And it takes some distress tolerance that not all people have. And so sometimes that's another reason that people will just avoid having those conversations. 
And the third bucket is someone who is going through some kind of crisis, either mentally or an external crisis, and just does not have the capacity to end the relationship. I have a question though. Are these just excuses? Like it feels like it's still just selfish and these are excuses to make it seem better, but a ghoster is a ghoster and like it's just selfish no matter how you slice it. That's a good question. As a therapist, I have to believe that people are doing the best that they can. So while I don't condone people ghosting, I do think there can be explanations for it. Not excuses, but explanations. So I have worked with some people, some clients who have caused significant harm to people around them. And every time I encounter somebody like that and you start to peel back the layers, you come across this very hurting inner child piece. And so if you growing up were not loved, did not have meaningful connections, were hurt, that wires how you know how to connect with people. And you continue to repeat those patterns until you do the work to correct that. And hurt people, hurt, hurt people. people, hurt people. You just said something that like light bulb moment, because I've always known that patterns of abuse are a thing. But I thought to myself, how could someone repeat something that they already know is so painful? But does to say that they're, they're, they don't know how to connect with people any differently, just put it, that just made so much sense to me. Yeah. And sometimes even when we know it's not right, it's at least familiar. Yeah. And so sometimes the familiar can, we can swap out familiar for safety. Mm -hmm. We actually have an email from a ghoster. So I'm going to read it and we'll see what we think about whether it was okay for her to ghost. Okay. I'm excited to hear this. All right. I met a guy in college, a friend of some friends. He did not attend school there, but he lived close to me right outside of Boston. I went to school in Boston too. Shout out. Boston University. Okay, back to the email. So when I would go home for the weekend, we would meet up. Things got kind of serious, but we didn't really tell anyone. We were just really enjoying each other's company and were kind of on our own level. It was romantic and sweet. We finally decided to bring our friends into our situationship. Was he my boyfriend? Looking back on it, probably. But at the time, there was not a conversation around it. And in my head, no expectations. We go out with my friends one night and he gets obliterated, obnoxiously drunk, loud, rude, making comments that honestly embarrassed me. We left early and talked about it the next day. He apologized and said it was nerves. I took it at face value, but this was the very first time and I understand being nervous and making mistakes. Around this time, I found out he had a daughter. Honestly, should have given off weird vibes, but it did not. I, I again understood having secrets. From Hannah's, not the email. That's a lot of empathy. I would have been like, you have a daughter? And it's, so, so far, you have secret grandma and two secret children. So Yes, what's happening? Let, let, this is a lot to unpack. I know. What's up with people hiding these kids? Like, let's be up front. Or, I'm a, Come on. I'm a parent. That's important to know before you, like, sign on. I think you put that on the dating profile. Um, okay. Fast forward a couple months of probably more bliss. I'm sure we were both young and probably just having a ton of sex. It's my birthday. We go back out with my friends and the same experience as last time. Loud, falling over himself, obnoxious. He told my friend she was hot. 
And I mean, she is, but I'm standing right there. (laughs) After that, I just stopped. I stopped texting and calling. I stopped going home as much. So I didn't see him out and around. He didn't come to school to see friends. And if he did, he didn't make me aware of it. It phased out eventually. We were 20 years old, maybe 21. 10 years go by. I have two kids. I'm engaged to get married. I'm 31 years old. I start a new job as the executive assistant at a green energy company. It's my very first day, and I'm taking a tour of the facility with my supervisor. We're talking and walking. I bump into someone, and I spill coffee all down their shirt. I panic and begin to blot out the stain. I look up, and there's a very smug face looking back at me. I panic and basically run away because looking back at me is that very person I ghosted 10 years before. Oh, no. That's like a movie. I ran back to my desk and checked the company org chart. He's a contractor at the very company I just started with. I would maneuver my way around the office in a way to avoid him. We had open seating. Even the CEO had an open cube. And I would often find him looking around my desk area and being bummed if I wasn't there. I had a lot of meetings with his department and the smug smirk never left his face. It was entertaining. A game of cat and mouse, if you will. Finally, we got stuck in an elevator together about nine months in and had to face the situation. At this point, he had been brought on full time and I told probably everyone about what happened previously, both because I found my current situation ironically hilarious and also (sighs) super uncomfortable and found the best way to deal was to tell everyone. I apologized quickly for my behavior back then. He accepted. He said he was single. I was not. I had just gotten married a few months back, and but I laughed at his forwardness. Over the, oh, so he said he was single in a way that was like, by the way, I'm single. Interesting. Wink, wink, wink. Wink, wink. Over the next three years, we had some good times at work events, lots of laughs, and I would even call him a friend. Still very immature and obnoxious, but I sometimes wondered what would have been. He introduced me to my favorite band back in college, and still to this day, it takes me back to cruising along the beach in his car. I ended up getting laid off at the beginning of COVID. My friend had to give me the awful news that not long after that, she sent bereavement flowers to his family for his loss. Wow, I didn't expect that. I never Wait, found what, him. Wait, like his loss or he died? I think he passed. Oh. I, she said she never found an obituary or anything, and she's looked many times. I've been married for five years now. I can't imagine my life without my husband. My kids are my world. I ghosted someone and it probably changed the entire direction of my life. I'd like to think a more mature me would at least let someone know my intentions in cutting contact. But also, who knows? Well, I'm sorry for your loss. Oh, man. If, like, that's strange that she doesn't have an answer. That's a a, a, a literal ghosting. But I have to say, like, I agree with her when she says, like, it changes the course of your life. Because if you guys are not on the Patreon, I was telling my own ghosted story on the Patreon. So go subscribe to that. But I think it's interesting because I think I was saying the same thing. Like, you you don't realize how when something like that happens, like, it could be a blessing in disguise. But it's still, like, you still want to know because... In my mind, I'm like, I need to know why everything is the way that it is. But like, it's still, it really, man, That, but you could tell that like she felt bad. And then, yeah, so Amanda, jump in. 
interesting to think about. I mean, I think she sounds totally justified in ending the relationship, right? Like she was seeing some things that were not a good fit and it probably would have been beneficial to a text, a call. It didn't have to be a whole lot to just say like, hey, I... You're a, you're an obnoxious drunk slob. We're done. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it depends on how drunk you want to be. And I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fan of direct conversations. Like, I think I would have said, I'm really concerned about your alcohol use. And I hope you get help. Your behavior was unacceptable. That's not to up me. to me, but I'm, I'm opting out of this. Like, I wish you well. I like the way you say that so eloquently. We're just going to, if you guys can you need write help, my, we're just going to call Amanda. Can you write my breakup text, Yeah, please? will you write... <laughs> Right, the text I have to send. Well, I think that's such a that's interesting that you say that because I grew up in a family that does not have direct conversations. So I actually used to be deeply uncomfortable about having direct and honest conversations with people. You know, so I thought I'd go be a therapist. But I'm I'm living proof that it's a skill, not something you're born with. And so there's hope. This is just lots of practice of having those kinds of conversations. It's true, and they do get easier. They absolutely do. Wow. Well, the more hearts you break, it just gets easier and easier. <laughs> I don't know about that part, but I think I think you get better at all relationships. It doesn't get easier. Sharing. But you get better. Yeah. All relationships yeah. come to an end. All relationships come to yeah, an end. Yeah, you either break up or die. My grandparents. Oh my God, this is so morbid. Well, a little bit, but I think it's important to keep in mind because it normalizes endings. My grandparents were married for 62 years, but my grandmother passed away first and my grandfather lived for about nine more years. And guess what? He was hot stuff in the nursing home. Hell yeah. Good for him. The nursing home staff would find the remote control for my grandfather's TV and all these other little old ladies' apartments and kept bringing it back. And so my aunt had to label the remote because they kept going missing because my grandfather's states would like accidentally drop them in their purse. Um, so if we normalize <laughs> that all relationships so are going to come to an end, like some of them we're going to choose, some of them the other person is going to choose, some of them are going to be just because mm-hmm. life happens, then I yeah. think we start mm-hmm. to come to this, like we normalize endings. And I think that's important. That's a really good point. We get, Where were you 20 years ago? I needed to hear We that. get less scared of them. Yeah, and we can get through them too. Absolutely. I mean, it yeah. It it can hurt intensely and you can still be okay and just because it hurts intensely today does not mean it's going to hurt intensely forever. That's legit. That Amanda, my gracious. That's so it's it's so true. Do you feel like your ghosting experience obviously it did affect you immensely, but like as you moved through that ending without closure to this day, like how did you get over the things that it made harder for you because you went through that? Yeah. That's a good question. I'm trying to think of who I dated next because that's probably the answer <laughs> to that, right? Well, that makes sense. We, Mackenzie, I know you've talked about how it was hard for you to trust people, but having this sol- solid relationship with your husband helped you grow. Well, that's because he's annoying and very persistent. That's the only reason that we're okay (laughs) is because he would not freaking stop. But if he, if that was not the case, I, I probably wouldn't. He was reliable. He was, I just don't trust anybody. Dependable. I just feel like everybody like 
people just, it's just so easy for people to just like ghost you and leave and just like walk away. And it's like, I don't understand why it's so easy for people to do that. Amanda, how did you trust people again? (laughs) So I don't think that it shook my trust in other people as much as it shook my trust in myself. And so Mm -hmm. I think part of that was just normalizing of like, yeah, you can't predict the future. And it is unfair to have that expectation of yourself. And so just entering the next relationship with like, let's just see how it goes. Trust is built Mm -hmm. in small ways over extended periods of time. And just giving myself permission to like, let's just feel it out and see. Like John revealed who he was over time. This next person, like, let's just stay in tune and see what happens. And trust that if I start to get the ick, that that's probably telling me something. And I can change my mind at any time and be like, hey, this has been nice, but we've I'm, I'm out. Thanks. There's a saying I heard. It says, it, they say, when people show you their true colors, believe them the first time. And it's like when people start to give you that, that you said the ick, those red flags, the ick, whatever you call it, like fem tuition. Like when someone tells you, just believe them the first time. And I think a lot of that can be, a lot of ghosting can probably be avoided that way. I think it can. And I think we also have to be really careful about the stories that we tell ourselves. So sometimes we create these stories about what we want someone to be, what we want a relationship to be, and it gets in the way of us seeing who they actually are or what this relationship actually is. Being honest with yourself about what am I actually seeing and experiencing, letting go of the expectations I might want to put on this so that I can be truthful about how I'm responding to the information I'm actually getting. Because how often... Do people meet people and they're like, oh my gosh, I want this to be the one. I want it to be the one. Yes. And, and we so create it. Then they start. And you ignore they, the, the bad they stuff. They do. They start collecting all the evidence that supports that story. They start ignoring all the things that don't support that story. And then they are devastated when reality doesn't line up with the story they told themselves. So we have to be honest with ourselves about what are we really observing? How are we really experiencing it? Not what we want it to be. And that's such a good point. I I know that I've done that a million times in relationships. Is there any truth to also using that kind of fantasy building? Because to me, that's kind of what you're doing. I feel like I do that because of how afraid I am of not knowing and not having control over whether or not something is going to work. Like what you've said is that we don't know. We never know. Every relationship, we don't have control over most of it. And I'm dealing with it right now where I'm just like, I am so scared of the fact that I don't get to see the ending and you just have to relinquish that. But I think I use like creating this projection of what I'm wanting as a way to like build out the ending for myself. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. It's giving you the fantasy of control. And that's actually a distress. Fantasy of control. I love that fantasy. I'm sure. I love control. I'm sure it's beautiful. I'm sure that you, it is like a gorgeous Hallmark movie. However, (laughs) we so as humans want to have more control than we do in this world. We grasp for it at every place. It makes us really anxious to think about actually how little control we have in this world. However, What I go back to when I'm starting to feel that like, wow, look at all the pieces of this puzzle that I don't know how it's going to turn out is I have faith in myself. Whatever happens, I will figure it out. 
I have been figuring it out for years. I have gone through so many things that I have not anticipated, that I could not have predicted, that have been really difficult. And I'm still here and I'm doing great. And so if I could do all those things, whatever might be coming down the pipe, I might not know what it is, but I can trust myself that I will figure it out. Absolutely. That's Amen. such a good point. Thank you so much, Amanda. And this She's shot, preaching. She's it preached. summed it up also because ghosting is the ultimate easy example of we do not have control. Sometimes people are just mm. not going to text us back and we can get through that. Fuck them, but we can get through that. <laughs> and it, it, the other piece is it does not say anything about you that these people do it. When I have clients who ghost other people, which I want you to know is their therapist, I never endorse. So if one of my clients has ghosted you, I need you to know I did not co-sign to that. But it happens, <laughs> right? People, not everyone listens to their therapist. You don't have control over everything. I also don't have control said. over my clients. <laughs> but I also want people to hear that it's complicated for clients too. Like when people tell me that they've done this to people and, and Hannah sort of shared, right? Like it's not, it wasn't easy for you to ghost that person. You're still thinking about the impact it had. You don't feel good about it. I don't, I think it looks easy from the outside, but I actually think for lots of people that do the ghosting, it's complicated for them too. Damn. Mackenzie, she's, she's good. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Amanda, you are coming back anytime you want. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Amanda, it has been such a pleasure having you on the podcast. And I've loved everything that you've said and every bit of insight you've given. And I appreciate it so much. And we would love to have you back sometime if you'll come. I would love that. Thank you so much for having me. And I just love normalizing this experience for people and letting folks out there know who've experienced this. Like, it is not you. You are not alone. You are in wonderful company. Yeah, we've all seen ghosts. Ghosts are real and we can't control them. And some zombies that come back 10 years later, apparently. <laughs> zombies come back, so true. I like I like calling them zombies. That's really funny. Oh but thank God. you so much, Amanda. It, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so, so much. So nice to meet you. That was a doozy. I'm I, it's so, so grateful. But I really loved that she's a therapist talking about her own ghosting stories and kind of helping us figure out like why people ghost. And it was all of it was, was that not, it was very educational. I learned so yeah. much. Yeah. I'm really excited to hear if y'all have questions or thoughts, your own experiences with ghosting on all sides. I love the empathy towards people who make mistakes in some capacity. Sometimes, obviously, there's like, okay, that behavior is harmful to the point of you need a whole episode on the dating detectives. But you know what I mean? Like, it was just, I'm so grateful she came on. That conversation was awesome. Yeah. And make sure that just because it's Halloween and like today's Halloween is ghosting, whatever, we still want to hear your ghosted stories because uh, let's be real. Like, we're here to talk about the people who are doing these things in our dating world and in relationships. So make sure that you're sharing those with us and make sure that you share our podcast with a friend. And especially if you have someone that's going through something or they want to share um, a story with us about being dogfished or ghosted, make sure you email us at investigate at datingdetectivepod.com. All the socials were Dating Detectives Podcast and we have our website up now. If you haven't already checked, we have the Dating Detectives 
com is no the dating detectives podcast.com my bad let me (laughs) try that again we never know if there's like an s or whatever the dating detectives podcast.com one day we're gonna get it right for you guys but it's all (laughs) just go to the thing just go to the social you can just click the links or whatever you you can find it it's easy But we hope you have a beautiful Halloween weekend without any ghosting other than the ghosts on the street in cute costumes. Be safe. I will be checking and stealing all of my son's candy. And no matter what you do, trust your family. Bye.